mean, you've been putting in work for so long. Putting in a lot of work. What's going on, guys? Welcome back to Putting In Work, episode 105 of the interview podcast on the 8-Bit Collective. We are powered by Audio-Technica, and I'm your host, John O'Peck, here to talk with Jamie Apps, one of the busiest journos in Australian entertainment that I've come across, at least. Jamie works for a weekly publication in Sydney called City Hub. He's also the creator and editor and publisher of the Jam Zine, or the Jamie Apps Media magazine, that he puts together himself every couple of months. That's an opportunity for Jamie to cover his passions in music, movies, wrestling, and sports, all in one place, while the City Hub magazine is more of an official look at what's happening in Sydney in those same spaces of the arts. And it's that interest in wrestling that, in particular, stands out for Jamie. He's now the Australian correspondent for The Last Word on Pro Wrestling, a pretty big sports website, and he's really in touch with the Australian pro wrestling scene. So who better to take on that beat for The Last Word? I've come to know Jamie through the Kind of Funny community. He's based at Illawarra in New South Wales, but through City Hub, he reached out to do an interview on podcasting as one of the sources for that. He was the editor of the arts section and had another reporter contact me. But then for his own zine, he actually interviewed me himself talking just about my podcast and the work that I've done there over the past year and some of the cool opportunities that have come out of that. So so I thought, hey, maybe it's time to flip it around and I can interview Jamie about some of the cool work that he's been able to do, including talking to some huge bands and celebrities, actors, Hollywood stars from across the world. Being in Sydney gives him an opportunity to meet a lot of these great talents and talk to them about whatever they're visiting the city to promote. So here's Jamie to talk all about getting into writing, working his way into the industry and starting his own publication. It's Jamie Apps. Enjoy the show. Jamie, thank you for joining me. It's good to have you on the podcast. Thank you so much for having me. That's all right. Uh, we've had a bit to do with each other over the years. You've interviewed me a couple of times, so it'll be nice to turn the tables around. It is. We have crossed paths a few times, which is nice. Yeah, and uh, we'll probably get into both of those publications, but let's start off with your backstory. Have you always been interested in writing? Is this something that's been a career goal for you for a long time? Uh, during high school, no. I was really interested in economics, actually. Mm. I did a Bachelor of Commerce. But while doing that, I had to do the History of Economics course, which was a lot of essays and writing. And while doing that, I sort of discovered that I really had a passion for that over the, the math side of things. Sure. So then I moved into a Master's of Journalism and Communications, and then from there, it's been all writing. Yeah, cool. And was it you being able to see that you could apply that to the interests in your life? Yeah, Basically, did lots of writing there and then I started to do just sort of little mini movie reviews on Facebook and from there just kept building, building and decided to yeah follow that passion, cover that's music cool. and wrestling and whatnot. What do you think it is about writing that's drawn you into it so much? Uh, I'm not sure. I like I just like uh, telling people about the things that I love basically. So hmm. I feel if, if you enjoy something, it really shows through in your writing and covering the things I love is perfect. Yeah. And did you have a particular like beat that you wanted to get into? Like, did you set off to be a wrestling writer or did you set off to write about music or has that kind of just evolved as, as you mentioned, having an interest in so many things? Yeah, it sort of evolved. It was sort of, I wanted to do sport because uh, I always watch football and mm. any sort of sport that's on. If it's live, I'm watching it. But 
as I started to follow it a bit more, I realized that the sports field is super competitive. So yeah. follow follow the other passions that you have, which are a little bit easier to get into and went from there. Yeah, I guess there's a lot of jobs in sports journalism, but they're hotly contested, as you mentioned. And like Australia being such a sports mad country, there's a lot of people that are pretty keen to step into those positions, hey? Yeah, very, very hard to get into. Mm. So, And a lot of that's traditional journalism, like newspapers, that kind of thing. I guess probably when you were starting off the online sports sites weren't probably quite as prominent as they are now? Yeah, it was really only Fox Sports mm. in Australia. Okay. So, Yeah, there's Sportal, which has been a pretty big one for like international worldwide sports, but even that was probably still kind of taking off like five, six years ago. Yep. Yeah. Okay. So from studying the uh, the degree, the, the master's, what was it? What were the next steps from there for you to actually get into the field? Uh, so because it was so highly competitive in newspapers and whatnot, I did a internship as a contributor for the City Hub. Mm-hmm. Did that for six months. Eventually they took me on as the music writer covered that for another six months and then the editor of the art section left and I became the editor of the art section overall. I was doing that as a duo for a while with another writer and eventually she left and then I've taken the whole lot over by myself. Yeah, right. So can you just give a bit of an overview for people who don't know City Hub? It's a, is it a bi-weekly, monthly, bi-monthly publication? It's a weekly, weekly, a weekly free publication in the CBD of Sydney, so Bondi out to Balmain, mm-hmm. and yeah, pretty big readership, and because it's free, there's it's available all over the city. Yeah, and that's uh, for our foreign listeners, the biggest city in the country, so you've got quite a wide circulation happening there. Yep. You said that you started as an intern. Was that a paid position? No. So how did you prove yourself to the point where they decided to keep you on and give you a chance in those other spots? Uh, I think because I... Never missed a deadline, and any time that they needed somebody to, to fill in last minute to cover something, I put my hand up and took it. Mm. Do you think that made you stand out from some of the other people there, or is it just you were there and you were doing what they wanted you to do, so they thought, let's give this guy some more opportunities? I think because I was so willing to, to just write about anything and do those last-minute jobs, I think that made me stand out because mm. I... I did notice I was writing a lot of articles compared to other interns and contributors. Sure. And do you remember those early days, what kind of articles you were writing? Like, was it, you mentioned doing some of the arts and that kind of thing? Yeah. So I was doing movie reviews. I remember my first, the first movie review I got to do was the first Captain America film, Oh yeah, which was pretty cool. And then I started to do a lot of CD reviews and, uh, theatre. So I did a, f- a few theatre interviews before I got to do some music interviews as well. And they're the ones that you probably enjoy a lot more, do you, would you say? Yeah. Seems like that's what you've kind of focused a lot on in in your own publication. Yeah, definitely the music ones were more up my alley. The theatre ones are tough, but teach you how to do some research on things that you don't normally know about. Yeah, I've, I've found that in my journalism career, it was really... Uh, valuable to get thrown into something that you didn't know much about because you really had to find your way through it and make it work. Definitely, yeah. If I think you have to do that at some point as well. If you're always writing about the same things, you don't improve your skills, don't learn new things. Mm. 
And speaking of that, like when you were studying, do you think that that prepared you well for journalism as a as a writing style or was there a lot that you had to learn on the job? It definitely taught me the style a lot better and how to be succinct. Hmm. But in terms of sort of hitting really tight deadlines, not really. Uni, you kind of, at the start, they tell you this is what you've got to do throughout the year and you can build to it. Whereas yeah. the newspaper was, you have two days to write this article, go get interviews, get it all done. <laughs> Do you remember what that was like to face that for the first time? It's pretty daunting. Definitely very stressful, yes. Especially when you can't get a hold of PR companies to set up the interviews. But it's just a lot of just getting on the phone, constant ringing until somebody picks up. I think you mentioned this before, just the progression through the different departments. And was it the fact that you continued to hit the deadlines and were able to just prove yourself that they gave you more responsibilities? I think so, yeah. I think because I showed that passion in the music, they let me do the music more often. Mm. And then, yeah, because I could show that I could control a section by myself when the opportunity came up that they needed an editor, they kind of looked at me first to fill that void. Sure. And what does the editing responsibilities involve at that publication? So I have to schedule the stories for each week, assign them to our writers, get all the photos in, get all the copy in, edit the copy, send it all to our graphic designer. They put the layout together, go check the proofs, send it back, and then eventually once we go back and forth with the designer to make sure the proofs are perfect, off to print. Mm. So there must be a fair bit of problem solving in that process because at any point something can go wrong and you have to pull a story at the last minute or find something that you had kind of saved up to, to fill in that spot. Yes, uh, I always try to book one or two more articles than I actually need so that if something does fall through I'm not short um, and I always try to have people hitting their dead aiming for a deadline that's a couple of days before I desperately need it so that if interviews are late they have time to work through those problems sure and when you're the editor that really just it, the buck stops with you so there's not really anyone anyone else to blame when things go wrong uh-huh. if yeah if all of a sudden we have no scene to fill the sort of art gallery section i have to go out and do an interview on the on the day it's all due write up the article that day so has that happened much <laughs> not too often thankfully our, our team yeah. is pretty good every now and then yeah. i think interviews fall through yeah some things can't yep. be avoided so you kind of you know you're talking about doing music and reviews and that kind of thing but it's actually a lot of pretty high profile stuff isn't it like you've got all the touring artists from overseas you've got some really big bands and, and musicians coming through. So it must be pretty cool to get a chance to meet some of these people that you might look up to. Oh, definitely. Um, I've had a few moments where I've walked into interviews thinking I was fine, but as soon as I stepped into that room, the nerves hit, but I've managed to get through them. I think the biggest one I had was Samuel L. Jackson and Kurt Russell for The Hateful Eight. Oh, man. I was, I was perfectly fine <laughs> until I got into that room and then started sweating sweaty palms but i got through it and got compliments on my question so i was happy with that oh that's good always feels good when someone says good question yep. doesn't yep. it and the, the great thing about print is no one knows how nervous you are when they read the article exactly <laughs> they, they just see the answers yep. i love that part about yeah. it <laughs> that's one of the tough things about like switching from print to, to podcasting is i had to actually think about how i sound when i ask questions or the way that i present myself which Never was a concern before. Yeah, you have to really nail those questions. You can't do what I've done a few times where I've had to explain it 
two or three times before they understand what I'm trying to get to. Yeah. <laughs> I do that too. I just edit it out if it happens. So there's always that too. But um, yeah, like who are some of the other big names that have been probably highlights? Uh, for me personally, uh, Dallas Green from City and Colour, because mm. uh, I've always loved Alexis on Fire as yeah, a teenager awesome. growing up. So getting to interview him was pretty awesome. Uh, Missy Higgins was really cool. Uh, Alice in Wonderland. So I've had had some good ones that I never thought I'd get the opportunity to have have an interview or sit down face to face with for 15 20 minutes yeah so a lot of these are in person uh sort of 50 50 a lot are phone if it's if they're on tour at the moment you just kind of have to take whenever you can speak to them sure yeah like i had the privilege to do some entertainment writing for a few years when i was reporting and yeah i think like 95 percent of them were on the phone and it was promoting a tour that was coming up rather than talking while they were visiting so that's probably a similar circumstance for you yeah and every now and then i'll get lucky someone will be their tour will come to where i'm from wollongong first okay and i can go and see them at the show in wollongong before they hit sydney that's cool so you're commuting at the moment luckily i get to work from home so Ooh, that I'm, is a perk that few can enjoy i do love this job i can travel wherever i want whenever i want and still Still get my head to work. Mm. And you were in the States uh, late last or kind of mid last year. Did you have a chance to do a few interviews as well? Uh, I was in the States in mid-September and mm-hmm. I got to speak to Colin Moriarty. That would have been pretty cool. That was pretty awesome to get to <laughs> just go and see Colin and sit down and talk to house, him. house, yeah? Yes. Yeah, cool. got, got to have that sort of fireside chats experience without doing the fire, fireside <laughs> chat myself. Yeah, and so that was part of your uh, magazine, which we can segue into. You've got this job doing City Hub, and it's probably a pretty big toll, you know, a lot of time, a lot of energy, a lot of effort, and you're editing it as well. But what made you want to go and take an extra step and create your own publication? Uh, I just found that I still, there were still people that I wanted to interview that didn't quite fit into what the city hub was covering Mm -hmm. so i wanted to do a few more wrestling interviews uh interviews with like people like colin and yourself if they they don't fit into the the city hub schedule or there's no nothing happening in the actual in sydney Mm. there's no point us covering it in the city hub so yeah there's like not the local angle yep and like what was that process for you did you think about online most people would probably just go online but you decide you actually wanted to print something what was the decision behind that I have a website where I publish everything anyway, so people can mm-hmm. read my stuff for free. But I've always enjoyed that tactical feel of sitting down in a magazine with a coffee or something and reading through all the interviews. So I, I was always going to do some form of print. Sure. And I guess the zine style, is that something that was reflected from something in your childhood or was it... Because I guess you don't really see them anymore. Yeah, I've, I've sort of... In the zine scene on Facebook, in the, the groups covering sort of music seeing things that way uh, and I decided that seems like the perfect thing for what I want to do it's relatively inexpensive for me to do it that way and still get the fulfillment that I want out of creating the magazine so I decided to do it that way it's a very DIY style what was kind of your approach to thinking of the layout and the way that it was going to be presented uh, I saw a, a wrestling photo book actually that was that layout sort of is what I modeled my layout on uh, and then built from there and I don't print anything at home I actually go to a proper printer to get everything done so it's fairly nice print quality like glossy kind of yeah glossy slightly thicker paper so I try to make it a little bit 
better than just a home color printer job. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I've got my copy here. You did an interview about my podcast and I had interviews with like Colin and Chris Jericho and I think uh, Casey Chambers or something like that. So it's a pretty eclectic mix. Is that the goal is to try and cover a broad spectrum of people in each edition? Yeah, so there'll, there'll always be at least one wrestling slanted story in there. Uh, and then there'll be music and if somebody like yourself or Colin captures my attention and I can get an interview somewhere in my busy calendar, mm. then I'll, I'll try and fit that in as well. So what are your methods of reaching out to these people? Is it just through the contacts you've made through City Hub or have you got other ways to get in touch? Uh, so the music ones are through the contacts I've ba- managed to build up through the City mm-hmm. Hub. And then the wrestling ones are through the contacts I've managed to build by simply being a fan and going to lots of shows in Australia. Okay. And I speak speaking to the wrestlers there when they do the merchandise at the end. Ask just simply asking a lot of them if they'll sit down for a chat, and most of them are pretty keen to do it. Yeah, it's interesting, isn't it? Like people are often surprised with some of the guests that I get, and I imagine it would be the same for you. But it often just comes down to being being willing to ask them. And people are usually pretty happy to talk, I've found. Yeah, I think a lot of people are happy to talk about themselves. Yeah. <laughs> so I think if, if you topic. ask, a lot of people will say yes. Yeah. I don't think I've had, I think I might have had one or two people say no. Yeah. Well, I guess when you're someone like that, that's their whole career is based on getting the word out there and being public and being famous to an extent, like that's, you know, it always helps. So, Unless you're asking for a huge amount of their time, it's probably not too much out of their day to to get a little bit of extra coverage, is it? No, and like you've probably noticed, you you would notice with the length of my articles, they're not they're not long, so it's not like I'm taking an hour out of someone's day. I take 15, mm. 20 minutes at the most. And the wrestling side of it, particularly, you seem to have a strong interest in. And you were just telling me before the show that you've just come into a, a new contributing role with uh, the Australian slant of. Uh, what was the name again? The Last Word? Last Word on Sports yeah. on the pro wrestling side. Yeah. So tell us a bit about how that happened. Was that using your publication as a kind of folio and showing them the work you've done or just being part of that scene? Surprisingly, they actually reached out to me when their former Australian contributor left. And I think it was because of the interviews that I've done for the magazine mm. and my presence on Twitter covering the Australian scene. Every time I go to a show, I live tweet the events. So... I think they've seen that I'm somebody that's at shows and kind of knows what I'm talking about when I'm talking about those events and I have those contacts. So they sent me a little Twitter DM and it went from there. Yeah. It's interesting because I follow a lot of people on Twitter who are into wrestling, but no one seems to have the passion that you do for the local scene. So tell me a bit about how that interest has come up and how it's become something that you're, I guess, now an expert in. Oh, expert, that feels, well, that you're, feels strange. <laughs> but yeah, I, it's I guess true I am, though, isn't it? Like you're the contributing writer for for a pretty big website. Uh, so I've always followed the WWE. I remember as a little kid, the first match I saw was WCW. I saw Sting on the TV and then from there, that was it. I was hooked. Um, and then in, I think it was 2013, I saw a poster for a show in Sydney. I went along and from then on I've been to every single one of their shows once a month. Uh, from there it's built to, I've travelled to Melbourne to see shows, I've travelled over to LA to see shows, travelled to Canberra, 
But if there's a show on and I can get to it, I'm probably there. Okay. And what's the Australian scene like from someone who's really not in that at all? Like I used to love wrestling when I was a kid, but I fell out of it. And I see some of the articles and the interviews and the tweets that you're putting out there as you're at the events. And it seems like there's at least a underground movement happening. Yeah. So for people that have sort of witnessed what's happening in wrestling at the moment, there's a rising buzz about certain areas. So a few years ago, it was the UK. They became the real big hotbed of new talent. And mm-hmm. at the moment, I think Australia is right on the cusp of being the very the, the next area that is is the hotbed. We have lots of great talent down here and we've got guys that are now beginning to sort of go over to the US more, go to Japan, go to the UK. They're becoming draws internationally as well as here locally. Mm. Is there a sense that people are working hard to elevate the scene or is it very much they're trying to further their career so that they can go and, you know, wrestle in Japan or wrestle in the WWE or somewhere in the States? Or do those things kind of work together where it's like the better our promotion is, it's better for the individuals and everyone wins? Uh, I think more recently it has become that sort of group mentality of let's make Australia really good because, like you said, if if their promotion, if the Australian promotions are good, that'll bring eyes on it and then those top talents there will get opportunities elsewhere. Whereas in the past it was all about make yourself look good, get yourself over to go overseas. Yeah. Well, that's pretty cool. I guess that would explain part of the reason why it's becoming a bit more uh, hyped and, and gaining a bit of more momentum, right? Yeah, and they've sort of they've gone for that sort of punk rock element. They're, a lot of companies now are running in sort of music venues, so they have that really intimate atmosphere and they all sort of understand that the connection with the fans is what, what makes everything better so they they're mm. all willing to chat to every fan i've seen cool. seen some guys stay after shows 40 50 minutes just to make sure they spoke to every single person that was waiting to talk to them so there's like a sense of community i guess yes very much yeah being able to contribute to a website like the last word i imagine that that can only help build that community as people are getting a chance to see the promotions that they're interested in getting pretty mainstream coverage as far as uh, wrestling coverage goes definitely I'm, I'm very sort of proud to be able to spread that word of australian wrestling i'm certainly not the first person to do it but i'm trying everything in my power to make make australian wrestling as good as it can be mm, very good so how does it work in terms of splitting up your time between city hub the jam magazine and the work with the last word even though that's only been a couple of weeks at this point uh so because city hub is weekly that takes up a lot of my time uh a lot of my focus has to be on that. Uh, my magazine is every second month, so that sort of gives me a little bit of freedom with that. And then last word, uh, because the main focus is on show previews, which happen once a month, and there's maybe two or three of those, I also have a bit of freedom there. But if something breaks, then I'll just jump on and quickly write something up. It's not yeah. <laughs> not too, too strenuous, but my calendar has to be pretty strict with the City Hub, so I have a Google calendar and everything is mm. pretty meticulously planned out of focus on get this writing done at this time, do this planning stuff at this time. Yeah. I mean, I guess that's the breadwinner. So that has to come first and then everything else is a hobby or less uh, demanding. Yep. Exactly. Yeah. So what would you say has been the hardest part of getting to this point where you're able to not only write full time for a legit publication but then you're also able to go out and produce your own you're able to contribute 
you're in demand enough that this company could approach you to write for them as a contributor? Uh, breaking in to the newspaper scene was really hard to begin with. But like I said, I had to do six months of unpaid just writing. Mm. Um, and then, a long time. <laughs> yeah, it was tough. I was working nightclubs at the same time, so not a lot of sleep going on. But since then, it's just been time management. If I can manage my time, I can get everything done. I can still be able to go to the wrestling shows that I want, go and see movies, hang out with friends, as long as I manage my time correctly. Yeah, I found that like in my work, I've realized lately that a lot of it is just deciding what to do next. Like I've got all these different tasks, but which one needs to happen first? And that's kind of the way that I seem to be able to manage having a lot of things to do. Yeah, it's, if I if I didn't have this little calendar going on of you need to write this article in this set block of time, I think I would struggle a lot. Is that your advice? Like for people who want to get into writing and doing it to the level that they're in demand, is it to be organized and hit deadlines? Like what would be your advice? Yeah, definitely hit your deadlines, answer emails. I know a lot of contributors are a little bit slack on the emails that I have, mm. but yeah, answer your emails, hit all your deadlines and be willing to do those last minute jobs because it will make you stand out from everybody else. And as far as like your internship goes, like that seems to be a pretty big factor in you getting that job, but six months unpaid is a pretty tough ask for a lot of people. It's, you have, it's, you think people just have to be willing to do that or is it kind of, I don't know, like you often hear people say that unpaid internships are a negative thing in the industry, but what's your take on that as someone that's come through and done quite well out of it? I'm still not a fan of them, but I understand why they're there in the newspaper world. I think if you if there is something specific that you want to write about, like for me it was that music side, I saw the path at City Hub, you might just have to stick with something like that for a period of time. But if you're flexible about what you're writing about and simply you just want to write, look for other opportunities. Do, do a couple of internships at the same time if they're not too time-consuming. I know a few of the contributors I have at City Hub do that. They write for the City Hub and then they might write for Mumbrella or some of those other magazines that way. And then when opportunities are, are presented that they are known to the editors, which is, I think, probably the, the hardest thing you need to just be known. Yeah. Stand out and best way to stand out is to be known. <laughs> yeah. If you want to write about something else, have just put up a website, write your, your stories, publish them on your website so that when somebody you do apply for a job you can go here's a portfolio of work yeah there seems to be so many outlets for that now as well like medium and and those kinds of things where basically anyone can contribute something yeah it's really cool but man six months is i've never heard of an internship like unpaid that went for that long so well done for for getting through it <laughs> yeah i think because it wasn't like full-time yeah right if it was full-time it would have been tough but because i was able to do other work at the same time I think that's why I was willing to stick it out for as long as I did. Sure. Well, it worked out for you. So that's that's uh, the main thing. <laughs> yep. Cool. All right. So last question for you, Jamie. If you could do anything and you knew that you wouldn't fail, what would you do? Um, I kind of already am doing it, which I know a lot of people have said that on the podcast. <laughs> it's always a good answer, though. It's, if it's... I could just cover wrestling, I would be very, very happy. Yeah. So just... Uh turn the jam magazine into a full-time wrestling gig would would be the the ticket yep uh there 
there really isn't any Australian wrestling magazines. So if I could do that, I'd be very, very happy. Well, I mean, if anyone's going to do it, it's going to be you, I think, because you're basically on your way there already. So good on you and hope the stuff with the last word can leverage into more opportunities for you. Wonderful. Thank you so much. Thank you for listening and thanks to Audio Technica. You can catch Jamie on Twitter at jamieappsmedia. If you want to support that publication, it's patreon.com slash jamieappsmedia. You can help out this show by heading over to iTunes and leaving a five-star rating and review. You can also do that over at 8bit.net slash PIW, which is where you can pick up some sweet putting in work merchandise and check out the rest of the awesome content from the 8-Bit Collective. There's a huge announcement coming next week, so do not miss that episode. If you want to follow me on the socials, I'm at Jono himself. And until next week, keep putting in work.